Hello, my name is Krista Jones, founder and CEO of Virginia Leadership Institute, and welcome to our show, A Seat at the Table. The purpose of this show is really to bring together thought leaders and community leaders and experts to talk about how we can all get our seat at the table and make our voices heard. You know, when I moved to D.C. several years ago, I knew I wanted to make an impact. I knew I wanted to make a difference. I started working in politics. I started working in civic engagement, started joining a lot of professional organizations and nonprofit boards. But I didn't really know exactly how to go about it. But over the time, over time, I have gained so much experience and I've decided to put it together a how to guide called A Seat at the Table. You're finding your voice as an advocate and a political leader. Today we have with us someone who has just excelled in the field of nonprofit development. Um, her name is Jatrice Martel Gator, and she is Executive VP of External Affairs for Volunteers of America. Please welcome Jatrice. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Krista. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We are so excited to have you. So like I said, you have done so much in this arena. Can you tell us just a little bit more about your background? Well, after um, when I was in law school, I was always interested in politics and public policy. And at that time, when I graduated, nonprofits were just beginning to start building public policy capacities throughout the country. So I started working at uh, United Way in Indiana. Then I went to United Way National Office. And um, I built a career in public policy management and fundraising in nonprofits. And I'm a strong advocate for the voice of nonprofits and the influence and power of nonprofits in this country. And can you talk a little bit about a little bit more about what you see as the role of nonprofits today? Well, the role of nonprofits like everything else is just very dynamic and it's changing. As more and more state and federal funds are cut and budgets are winnowed down, people are bringing their issues, their problems, and their needs to the doors of nonprofits. So it's almost inverse. The more the budgets are cut, the more clients and people who in need we are seeing and trying to serve. So the purpose of nonprofits is to build community-based services that are accessible to people. And also, because we're not government-funded, we have an opportunity to be more innovative and to learn what works and to build new best practices for whatever we're doing. And we're also able to talk about all the multiple needs that people and families have. The thing about nonprofits is that no one comes to us with one singular problem. True. So many of the problems are interwoven and connected and they need the help of various agencies and organizations. So another thing about nonprofits is that we are an extremely collaborative group of agencies and organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with all of the issues that are facing nonprofits today, mm -hmm. um, whether it's having to struggle to be innovative, having to struggle with their budgets, mm -hmm. what suggestions do you have for nonprofit leaders? And what type of resources exist out there for those who want to be nonprofit leaders? Well, there, there are a couple of things. Um, I think anybody who wants to be a nonprofit leader needs to learn how to raise money, mm -hmm. need to know how to raise money, not just writing grants to foundations or filling out government grant forms, but also building and cultivating relationships with major donors. More of the donations that support nonprofits are coming from individuals mm. than foundations and grants. 
So I think someone who wants to be a leader in a nonprofit has to be very comfortable in the public, building authentic relationships with people who can be their supporters, advocates, and donors, and being able to mix it up. They have to be able to talk to the people at the top of the food chain and the people who are serving the food mm -hmm. in order to be a good nonprofit leader. Another thing is that they need to look at the long game. Excellent. You, there are going to be a, there's going to be a different crisis, a different issue every day. Right. But you have to have a strong vision, and you have to keep your eye and your energies focused on achieving that vision. Do you have any examples of some nonprofits that are doing especially well with that? Whether it's really seeing that vision or doing an excellent job at fundraising. Well, yes. Um, there are a lot of nonprofits that are doing exceptionally well at fundraising. Um, I would say that, of course, United Way is the behemoth. They're mm -hmm. the largest fundraiser. I think they're worth um, three or four billion dollars they wow. raise across the country every year. But um, there are a lot of new um, ways of fundraising, being very savvy. Yes. For instance, there's an organization called Water, where someone was bringing water to different um, villages in Africa and helping build pumps and wells. And they wow. did a lot of fundraising online. Wow. And, have, and the CEO of that organization does a lot of talking about that. And then there is um, um, those organizations that are very tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Those organizations are very good at reaching their audiences. And then there are some organizations that have very good ads. The Salvation Army has uh, very good paid ads, but you know, ads are very expensive, but their ads are beautifully done and they really portray people in need. And um, I like to think that where I work at Volunteers of America, we're very good at corporate partnerships. We have a great partnership with the Home Depot Foundation. Excellent. They work with us on our veterans issues, and the Home Depot, as a corporation, hires more veterans than almost any other corporation in the country. Wow. They are very dedicated to veterans on their sales floor, in their management, and uh, we had a great partnership because Volunteers of America has been serving veterans since the veterans of the Civil War. Wow. And, so, and we were founded in uh, 1896 when the veterans of Civil War were beginning to feel the after effects of war and uh, Volunteers of America was there. So looking at corporate partnerships, looking at people that have the same kind of social responsibility um, goals that your organization has and finding partnerships that work, engaging people to volunteer. Because nowadays, funders don't want to just write a check. They want to be involved in your mission. They want to volunteer. They want to feel like they are part of the solution. Yes, excellent, mm -hmm. very good points. Mm -hmm. Um, so what collaborative ways can nonprofits and civic organizations bring about collective change together? Well, I belong to two organizations here in the Washington, D.C. area. One is Independent Sector, which is a big public policy organization for nonprofits. It includes foundations, agencies, um, as well as uh, the National Human Services uh, um, Assembly. Mm -hmm. They are both huge and large organizations that collaborate, build a coalition, because together we have the most power. 
As nonprofits, one of the things is that we are almost always undercapitalized. We never have unrestricted money that will allow us to hire a lobbyist or to buy big ads on issues that we're working on. So we have to pool our resources, pool our brains, our talent, and our access to different policymakers, mm -hmm. and that way we're much more um, effective. For instance, we've all been working on the charitable deduction together. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that the charitable deduction is preserved and that those people who donate to nonprofits are able to write that off on their taxes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge coalition that's been put together, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, Independent Sector, uh, United Way, the Y, Volunteers of America, uh, orchestras, the arts are very involved, uh, dance theater, and we have been working together as a coalition to do the research, to have the meetings with different members of Congress all Excellent. over the country Excellent. that are, and of course, you know, all politics is local, right. so we try to find who has a strong affiliate or organization in that member of Congress's um, hometown, okay. and how can we reach them on a more authentic basis to talk about our issues. So I'm very proud of the way that uh, nonprofits have really coalesced around advocacy and policy issues because only together can we mount the kind of tactical um, advocacy strategy that we need to implement and only together can we have enough of a voice to be heard and to have influence with policymakers. And we had talked in our conversation earlier about voter registration and some of the most basic things. Can you talk a little bit more about why the nonprofit sector or these organizations is the perfect place to encourage that type of basic advocacy? Well, right now, there's really a situation where there are blurred lines because you hear people talking about the nonprofits and their role in the elections. Those are 501c4s. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about human service organizations, which are charitable 501c3s, mm -hmm. and they have restrictions in the tax code on the kinds of lobbying and uh, work that they can do. But those restrictions are not as oppressive as most nonprofits really feel. When you work for a nonprofit, you did not give up your citizenship. Mm -hmm. You still have the right to support um, candidates on your own personal time. And we have the right as nonprofits to register people to vote and to encourage them to vote. As long as we don't tell them who to vote for or how to vote, as long as we are absolutely nonpartisan. And there's even research that shows that people who are registered to vote by a nonprofit that they trust mm -hmm. are more likely to then vote, not just to get registered, but then to follow up and vote. Right. And there's an organization called Nonprofit Vote. Mm -hmm. It's out of Boston, and a man named George Pillsbury has dedicated his life to making sure that nonprofits have the tools. You can go online and get the tools so that you can figure out how to get your staff engaged in making sure that all members of your staff are registered to vote. For instance, at Volunteers of America, we have 16,000 staff members all over the country. Mm -hmm. Think about how powerful that would be if all of our staff members were registered to vote and then they could get their clients to vote. And even those people who are new to our country and aren't able to vote yet can still participate by getting other people to register, passing out materials, and understanding that voting is a is the foundation of our democracy and that everybody here needs to participate if they can. 
And as nonprofits, we're often working with people that are so inundated with issues and problems that voting may not be top of mind. Right. We want to make it top of mind. We want to make it a family tradition. We want people to bring their children with them to the voting booths. And because oftentimes nonprofits have authentic, real relationships with their clients, that their clients will listen to them. And it's very easy to set up a table and to learn how to get someone registered to vote and set up a table in your waiting room, in your lobby, outside of your nonprofit, so that you can engage people and educate people about why this is such an important part of our democracy and your role as a citizen. And right now, in this political environment where big money mm -hmm. is just being poured into campaigns, where is there a voice for the people that are not millionaires and billionaires? Because this is a democracy, we believe that when it comes to selecting our leaders, we have an even playing field. But that playing field will only be even if people in communities, people even if you're living in distress, get out, get registered, and vote for someone that you think can make your life a little better. You know, it's really great that you're that we're having this conversation. And one of the things I mentioned in my how-to guide is my experience in the Peace Corps. And the goal was democracy building. So yes. we went into communities and mm -hmm. we tried to educate them on the basic process of what a democracy is. Yes. And this is what an election is. And it's a mm -hmm. secret ballot. Mm -hmm. And they always said, you know, we really look up to United States and where they are in the yes, process. Yes. But it's sad in some ways that we're still at this point where, we, where we're having these discussions and where we still have to talk about the basics of voting. We have the greatest democracy in the world. I just saw the play Hamilton, which reminds us of our founding fathers, mm -hmm. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Alexander Hamilton. And you realize what people went through to build our country. And right now, I think especially for people of color, that Folks worked so hard to yes. get the right to vote. Yes. You know, the movie that just came out about walking across the bridge with Martin Luther Selma. King? Uh -huh. People died in Selma. Mm -hmm. People died all over the country mm -hmm. just for the right to vote. So how can you sit in your house and not exercise your right to vote that other people died for and bled for? and not participate in the greatest democracy in this world. Exactly. And a democracy depends on people exercising their right to vote. You know, mm -hmm. I, there was PBS, there was a young lady who's involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. I think she said she was 23. They just had mm -hmm. something on Facebook she wrote mm -hmm. for, and she said she was considering not voting. And she mm -hmm. said, you know, even though she's the target demographic for the liberal or progressive candidate, mm -hmm. you know, she's, um, she's gay, she's young, she's mm -hmm. black, mm -hmm. but she said that the system wasn't for her, was against her, mm -hmm. and none of the candidates, Democratic or Republican, were mm -hmm. really supporting her issues. Mm -hmm. So what my fear is, is that, a younger generation is coming along with that attitude. Because I know, for example, Virginia Leadership Institute is a part of the Nova Coalition mm -hmm. in Northern Virginia. And what we do is, um, since 2008, we've done everything from restore voting rights for former felons to um, getting out the vote. Excellent. And it's interesting, mm -hmm. some of the things you hear, the reasons why people don't vote. And you try to tell them, oh, people died for you. Right. Just don't care. Well, <laughs> one of the things that's interesting, even for nonprofits, nonprofits and individuals, or young millennials, need to start thinking more in terms of systems and institutions, yes. not 
around individual issues. Yes. Because if this young lady wants to change some of the systems and institutions in her community so that they are accommodating to her issues and that they do focus on the things that she cares about, she has to vote, mm -hmm. she has to be involved in community organizing, right. she has to attend to meetings. You can't sit in your chair. Yes. You cannot be an armchair critic. You have to be an active, on the street, in the meetings, exactly. active participant in this democracy in order to make it work for you, your family, and the issues that you care about. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So we had some questions online, so I'll definitely try to get those okay. in too, but some other things I was wondering is what is your definition of thought leadership? I know you've written about this and you've spoken about this, and I think in, in the nonprofit sector, um, we look to thought leaders because we talked about innovation and what's coming down the line, and we want those people to kind of frame what we're going through yes. to improve the sector and to improve our communities. Oh. What are your thoughts about thought leadership? Well, first of all, in our world of nonprofits, necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. And so we are always innovative, especially those large, older organizations like Volunteers of America. In order to stay current and to stay relevant, we've had to change and move and be very nimble in the way that we provide services and what we learn. So in order to make sure that we are not just transactions, we are not handing out something or giving something or having a transaction with our clients, we have to think about, is this program really working? How can we make it better? What do the clients say? What kind of feedback are we getting? And now, because we're using data much more efficiently, we're finally getting the technology to collect the data and getting the staff to analyze data, we have the on-the-ground facts and figures and the data to make really well-informed, evidence-based decisions about what works and what we should jettison. We have to be quicker about leaving behind things that no longer work and are no longer attracting clients or donors or community support and replace them with things that do. And in order to do that, we have to be thoughtful. We have to think. We have to bring... Uh, strategic uh, innovation to the fore. Mm -hmm. At our organization, we have a whole innovation, at our organization, we have a whole innovation committee. And I just met someone this morning who is working at um, AARP, has a yes. whole innovation department. And so nonprofits are now adding innovation departments because we are more nimble, I think, than government alone. Mm -hmm. We can work with government in partnership like we often do. But we have to identify the fact that we are thought leaders. We are leaders in making change. We are bringing new information and data to the table. And policymakers and people who are leaders in communities need to talk more to nonprofit leadership to get more information about what is really going on in their communities, in the arts, in the human services, in education, in healthcare, mm -hmm. because we're the ones seeing it. For instance, nonprofits are, have been so um, instrumental in working with the VA and the Department of Labor to, and uh, the Department of Defense to help veterans. Right. Uh, at Volunteers of America, we just did a study on the economic and employment issues facing veterans, and we realized that we need to start while they're still in the military, before they leave the military, yes. preparing them for all the things that are going to disappear the day that they leave service. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So where do you see the future of nonprofits? Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, the breadth 
of what they're responsible for and all the things they have to be in charge of. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the field in the future? Well, there are a couple of things. One, I think the nonprofits are really uh, understanding from the smallest nonprofits to the largest coalitions that advocacy is part of your mission. Whatever your mission is, you have to be a voice for the people who are silenced or silenced. And so that is becoming a stronger um, avenue for nonprofits to uh, bring issues to the public debate. Another thing is technology. Nonprofits really are becoming much more tech savvy. Technology and infrastructure is very important. Mm-hmm. But even again, in the smallest um, nonprofits, we have to start thinking about infrastructure. Yes. A lot of us love to say that we every dime you give us, we only spend one penny on ourselves. That's yesterday. Today, mm-hmm. to be an operating, smoothly run, data-driven, decision-making leader in whatever field you're in, you have to spend money on infrastructure, on technology that works, on analysis of your data. You can't just collect data. You have to analyze it and mm-hmm. use it. And then we also need to hire a much more diverse staff. We need to bring in MBAs. We need to bring in research people to work along with the social workers or the teachers or dancers or whoever the content experts are. They need to be um, paired with people who bring strategic and uh, finance and legal backgrounds with them. Because our workplace is so much more complex today with all the regulations and the government issues that we're facing. That is what is important. And another thing is that in this country, I think people don't realize that 10% of almost all people who are employed work for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And here in the Washington, D.C. area, 26% of all people are employed by nonprofits. So we are also an economic engine, a part of the financial fiber of every community, as well as the human service um, safety net for people in communities. And are there any particular challenges that you see the nonprofit industry facing? I mean, in terms of that we really need to push through, whether we need the assistance of the corporate sector or the government sector? Like, what are some of the biggest things that we're dealing with? Well, one is making sure that our partners understand us and understand how they how we work, mm-hmm. because um, there's still this overriding um, myth, mythology around nonprofits that we are nuns and priests, self-sacrificing people in the church basement ladling soup to the right. poor. We are complex organizations right now that have a lot of rules and regulations, federal, state, and local, and we have to hire people because at a nonprofit, I always say, if you think of an idea, you have to execute it and clean up afterwards. That's a good point. You, you We don't have different departments to compartmentalize things. You have to think about issues and programs as they flow. And from start to finish, that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So nonprofits are also a great place to learn. And I'm a generalist. I have um, knowledge and experience in a lot of different areas of nonprofits because that has been my career throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, um, a woman who is a 
the role model for uh, that television show, Scandal. Yes, Kerry Washington? Yeah. Or, or the, the, Judy Smith. Yes, yes. Judy, Judy Smith. Smith says that one of her first jobs after communication school was at a nonprofit where she had to learn how to do everything. Mm -hmm. And I love that she said that. She said that at one of her commencement speeches because it shows that nonprofits mean that you have a diverse and large area of responsibility and opportunity to learn and contribute. But I think that for the future, I would say advocacy is going to be stronger in nonprofits, technology, and I also think the impact of millennials on the workplace mm -hmm. and how services are delivered. Those are the three things that I see looking forward to um, the challenges and opportunities that are facing nonprofits. And as we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on why it's important that we have a seat at the table? So whether it is policymaking, whether it is the direction of our community, um, why is it so important that nonprofits be represented at that table? Because if you look at the, um, at the presidential elections in 2012, Herman Cain, who was running for president, said, if you are poor, if you don't have a job, it's your fault. Mm. And now we have um, members who are running for president who use themselves as role models. I was born poor and now I've done well. Mm -hmm. Well, those are wrong. The denigration of the poor as people who have made a series of bad mistakes and are unworthy of any kind of help is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong from uh, most religions and is wrong as in far as any civic participation in our democracy demands that we care for people who, for an array of circumstances. It has to be clear that rich people, rich kids make a lot of mistakes as well, but as soon as they make a mistake, they have airbags of resources mm -hmm. and help and support, whereas other people don't, and therefore they don't have the resilience exactly. to get past their mistakes. And also using the idea of one person made it, let's take for instance the brain surgeon who's running for, Ben Carson, ben yes. Carson who's running for president now. He made it, well he can't say I made it out of the Detroit ghetto so everyone else can. There was someone in his life, there was exactly. some somebody in his life who cared about him. Today, um, it used to be that most kids had about eight people who were non-family members who were involved in their lives. Interesting. And today, you're lucky if children have one wow. non-family member who's involved in their life. Wow. So the support systems for people, these are things that our politicians aren't thinking about. I don't hear human services being discussed at all when we're talking about the presidential debate and where mm. our country is going. Yet, and then there's some people who are making fun of the safety net and saying it's a safety hammock. Poor people don't want to be poor That's for right. the most part, and they just need a hand up the ladder. They are looking not for a handout, but for a help up. Right. And uh, especially our children. Yes. How can you punish children for who their parents were? Exactly. And there's so many issues that will keep us from having the strong democracy we have. A democracy is based on a literate public. We need a literate public. Mm -hmm. We need people who feel as though they can have trust in their government. Mm -hmm. And that I think that nonprofits can be partners in making that happen in communities all over this country, in every community in this country. There is a nonprofit providing some kind of service. Definitely.
Definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jatrice, for joining us today at the Seat of the Table. This has been an excellent discussion with Jatrice Martel-Gator with uh, Volunteers of America. Yes. You know, when we talk about having a seat at the table, we need to make sure that everyone's represented. We want to make sure nonprofits, corporate sector, government is represented because just like Jatrice said, nonprofits have a very important perspective that represent the everyday person and the basic services that they're providing across the nation. So thank you so much for joining us today for A Seat at the Table.